0: You're listening to Life and Ministry with John and Andrea, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the inner workings of DesireJesus.com and all the ministries connected to it. We also thought it'd be fun to give you a bigger glimpse into our daily life as a couple serving in ministry together. So this is something new we're trying with the goal of giving you the opportunity to maybe get to know us a little bit better and get to know maybe a little bit more about us and what we're doing. And we also hope that this will help us to get to know our podcast community a little bit better. So let me tell you what we're going to do in this episode here. And we're just winging this, all right? But in this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we're working on. We're also going to be filling you in on this week's date night, Andrea. I don't know if, uh, if you knew that we were going to be talking about that, but we were going to be talking about that as well. And I'm also going to be, along with my wife, Andrea, giving you honest answers to questions that we've received this week from both friends and and listeners. So Andrea, do you feel ready to go?
1: Sure.
0: Okay, so some of the people who are listening to the podcast haven't met you before. So uh, just just give everybody a a quick hello and like a, a, a three second. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Hi there, I'm Andrea. And in addition to being married to John, I am the mom to four kids who are emerging adults and upper teenagers. And I also work as an administrative assistant and adjunct faculty at Cairn University.
0: All right, that's a great overview. All right, so we're going to start off with something fun here date night, this week's date night. So, just so you know, this is what we do every Friday. Andrea and I have uh, a date night and we go out somewhere we uh, usually go out to eat and then try and uh, use up a, a couple hours of time just hanging out doing something else as well so we'll try and figure out something else fun to do so this week's date night wasn't on Friday because we had company this Friday so we switched it to Saturday so what did we do this week for date night?
1: Well, first of all, I kind of forgot on Saturday that we had switched it to Saturday, and when you brought it up, it made my day. I was like, oh, good. I forgot that it was we were doing that tonight, and I was really looking forward to it, as I usually do on Fridays, really looking forward to date night. Uh, this Saturday, we went to the Sycamore Grill, which is in Newtown, Pennsylvania, nearby. and We've we,
0: gone there a lot recently. Yes. Yeah. It
1: is one that we have found to be a real favorite over the past year. We really like that one. And um, and then we walked around Newtown, which is a great town to walk around, and and we actually explored a few places we hadn't been to in Newtown before, so that was kind of fun.
0: That is true. And uh, on the menu at the Sycamore Grill this week, something caught my attention. It caught my eye. I tried something new this week, and I have a reputation. In- uh, with my wife here of not trying very many new things, but this this wasn't something like um, exotic or uh, exciting. It, it wasn't
1: was... too far from the norm.
0: <laughs> I thought it was, I got an open-faced turkey sandwich.
1: So instead of getting chicken on bread, you got
0: turkey, <laughs>
1: or instead of getting chicken on a roll, you got turkey on bread. Right,
0: it was drastically different. And it was very good, and I liked it. The mashed potatoes I got with it were really good as well, and it had cranberry sauce. It was like a mini Thanksgiving meal, open face Thanksgiving. That's what they should have called it. So it was good. And and tell everybody what you got as well.
1: I got a breakfast burger. Um, We've been trying to eat keto, so I actually ate it on lettuce instead of on a roll, which was perfectly fine. Um, But a breakfast burger is a cheeseburger with a fried egg on top. It was delicious.
0: So obviously, those of you that are listening right now, when she just said <laughs> that we're trying to eat keto, you could tell that on date night I suspended those rules. And you suspended those rules, too, because bit, we yes. got dessert afterward. Yes. What, uh, what did we get for dessert?
1: We went to Rita's, which is water ice, and we had water ice and custard.
0: Yep, and uh, those that are not from Philly have no idea what water that's ice right. is. So water ice is—if you ever heard of Italian ice, it's just like a flavored, uh, you know, icy type <laughs> dessert. And uh, custard—the custard that's in it. Those of you that are out in the Midwest, out near like Wisconsin and areas, you know, you, you're used to custard because you guys have Culvers. We don't have Culvers restaurants out here, but we have Ritas, and uh, they have they have water ice with custard. So it's like a really creamy ice cream type. I think it's better than soft serve ice cream. Uh, I like it a lot. What, do you like it better or Oh, not? yeah. I like okay.
1: custard better than soft serve ice cream, but All I right. tend to like hard ice cream better than soft.
0: Okay. So, well, that's what we did for date night. We walked around Newtown. The weather's starting to get nicer, and, uh, and so we enjoyed dinner and dessert and a nice walk together and then we came home. We try and do that once a week. I look forward to that very much. And and I think this coming week date night's going to be on Saturday night as well because we have services at church on Friday evening. So we're not going to be able to do date night this coming Friday. So we are moving Friday night date night to Saturday this coming week as well. But I'll let me while we're talking about church, how is church today for you? I'll give you my perspective in a second.
1: Well, I was downstairs with the children, and there were a lot of children in Children's Church today. At one point, I looked out, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of them. When we first go to Children's Church, we have a a little bit of an opening where we um, rehearse some Bible verses, and we say the books of the Bible. and. Uh, we say the Ten Commandments and then we take prayer requests and we pray. This is before we split into their age groups for their classes. And uh, I was laughing afterward because I thought, when did Children's Church opening turn into something that where you break a sweat? But I really <laughs> had. I was so exhausted after just the opening uh, because just to give the listeners a little perspective, there are two-year-olds in this group. And then there are 10-year-olds or 11-year-olds in the group. So, like, it's a really wide range. And all range. ages in between, all yeah. All ages in between, and really wide range, and there are some hilarious things that occur in children's church opening.
0: Especially when uh, you ask for prayer requests, oh, yes. and that's when they reveal, you know, which, which mothers are expecting before those announcements have been made, uh, or, you know... Uh, all sorts of things that children should not reveal, but they end up revealing that during prayer request time. So Andrea has to swear to secrecy. <laughs> all the children's church volunteers, uh, because uh, children are, uh, they reveal many things. Very so. transparent. Very transparent. Yes, absolutely. But it's also funny when it happens, especially if the parents are a good sport. So, all right. From my perspective, church today, it was, uh, it was. Very well attended today was a, a, a good attendance Sunday. I always enjoy seeing that that always encourages pastors uh, for our our first service our first service there's lesser people at our first service, but just a good spirit in the room and uh, and obviously the second service is the one that that most people attend uh, but today it was Palm Sunday, so I was preaching from I was actually preaching from Mark chapter eleven the events that took place the day after. Palm Sunday. And so, those of you that listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast, you'll hear the message that I shared today. That'll be part of uh, tomorrow's episode. So, you get to hear that, and I hope that you uh, enjoy that. But that's what we were talking about in church today. And it was just kind of a good spirit in the room. And then, afterward, we invited our youth and children's pastor and his wife and family over for lunch, so we enjoyed lunch together with them today, which was a lot of fun. And it right really now there's was. a yeah, there's a youth event going on right now, so after they left our house and they went over to the church and proceeded to lead uh, this afternoon and evening's youth event, so that's kind of the, the church update right now. I'll give you a couple quick things related to the website, because there's a, a variety of new things. There's all sorts of new things going on, and I, I actually feel like I'd be rambling on and on and on if I listed every new thing that we've got going on with uh, Desire DesireJesus.com and some of the things related to it, but one of the, the I mean, you, those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that we've got two daily podcasts, so the Chapter a Day Audio Bible, that comes out every day, Daily Devotions with Pastor John, that comes out every day. Dwell on these things, we have several episodes per week, we have at least one episode per week, but some weeks we have had up to three episodes during the course of a week. We recently added interviews to that, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, But right now, one of the big things that you probably notice over at the website is that we're starting to offer courses. We're trying to help people build online ministries. One of the things that I've been convinced of over the course of this past year is that getting into developing online ministry is something that I think there's a lot of value to it. It's something I've been doing for the past several years, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I got into writing books. I got into podcasting and connecting with people that way. I'm convinced that it's just one of the best ways to uh, communicate to a large number of people in a short period of time, and I get very excited about doing that, and we're trying to think about ways that we could help train other people to do that and create some affordable solutions that actually help people with that. And so what you're going to be seeing are some very very affordable courses that we're going to be having over at DesireJesus.com. We actually got the uh, the blogging and uh, website development course up this week. And over the course of the coming month, you're going to going to be seeing courses on podcasting and writing and speaking. So I'm very excited about that. In fact, I've been actually staying up rather late working on that. So I'm not getting a normal amount of sleep, although normal for me is not really normal. Uh, you can't hear Andrea's head shaking right now, but she's kind of looking at me thinking like, when When do you sleep? I don't get enough sleep. I don't, I'd don't. be curious to know if some of our listeners struggle struggle with that too. I actually actually feel like some of my most creative and productive hours are from 10.30 on at night. And that's when I do a lot of writing. That's when I do a lot of podcasting, web development. Andrea has something to say. I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth, but all right, go ahead.
1: I don't think... If you're not tired, then you're not getting, a, like, the, that you're lacking sleep. So if you're not tired all the time, then I don't think you're lacking fine? sleep. Even okay. if you get a what is humanly in a, like a low level. I okay. you just don't need as much.
0: I got three hours last night.
1: Are you tired? Well, you're, I mean, there's a, little a lot bit. that went on did today, a lot of so preaching this morning, so
0: I always feel tired after I preach, but I think I'll go to bed kind of early tonight for me. But we'll see. We'll see.
1: On the other hand, I want to go to bed as soon as possible. I'm always tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she has a a better system for that than I do. I need to learn from her. But we've been married almost 23 years, and... I haven't caught on yet. So. I don't see
1: it changing anytime soon.
0: Okay. All right. So let's move to the next thing. The next thing is the upcoming book, Dwell on These Things. If you've been on the website anytime time recently, you've probably seen that the cover is there. The book is going to be released everywhere, as far as I know. It's going to be, like, literally everywhere. Your Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Amazon, you know, just wherever you want to buy it, you're going to be able to get it if it interests you, which I hope it does. But it's a 31-day challenge to begin talking to yourself like God talks to you. And the title, Dwell on These Things, you know that that's the title of of uh, one of our podcasts here as well, but it comes from Philippians 4, 8, where Scripture encourages us to dwell on things that are holy and godly and and helpful and beneficial. And these are things that the Lord wants our mind to be dwelling on. Well, the book's been written for a year, and then it was edited, and went through all that process with the publisher and uh it's going to be in stores in like five minutes you know less than two months may 25th is when it's going to be in stores but the cool thing that we're working on right now i asked special permission of the publisher to be the one who narrates the audiobook and they granted me that permission so i'm i will be the narrator for the audiobook and last thursday the narration began and um and I stood there in a sound booth in a recording studio about 20 minutes from our house and, uh, and recorded the first 20 chapters. Actually, it was the introduction and the first 19 chapters. So it was 20 chapters that I recorded uh, the other day. And uh, it was a lot of recording to record in one day. I was very tired afterward. My voice was starting to get a little tired. So we decided, all right, that was plenty to try and get done in a day. But tomorrow morning... I begin the process of picking up at Chapter 20, and I'm going to see if I can get the rest of the book recorded tomorrow. Do you think, I'm looking at Andrea right now, do you think I will succeed in getting the rest of the book recorded? Yes or no? Vote. I do. I, and okay. from
1: the beginning, I wondered if you'd have it done in two days instead of three.
0: Yeah, they had booked the studio for three days, thinking it would take three full days to record it. But I think we might get it done in a day and a half. So we shall see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I shouldn't hold myself to that. All right, so those are the ministry updates. Always appreciate your prayers. Thank you to those of you that that give us encouragement and and seem to find uh, what we're trying to produce beneficial. We'll certainly do that. As long as people are using it and finding it helpful, we'll keep creating it. And so thank you so much for your help with that. But now and these these questions have not been pre-screened, although Andrea has seen a few of them, but you haven't seen all of these, Um, we asked some of our friends on Facebook to submit some questions to us that we could ask and answer on tonight's episode, since we hadn't yet released one of these episodes with a life and ministry episode. Uh, we're going to be putting this out on all three of the podcasts as, pretty much as soon as we finish recording this. Um, but this is the first episode, so we hadn't had a chance to ask you yet for uh, your questions for us about life and ministry. So we went to our friends, which some of, of which are listeners also of these podcasts. And we said, all right, do you have any questions about life and ministry that you would like us to answer on this episode? And we told them everything was fair game. So there was nothing that wasn't fair game. And we got some interesting questions about life and ministry and even some fun things. So I've got the list right here in front of me. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. The first one comes from Robert. And Robert asks this. He said, now, he's been seeing some of the stuff we posted on Facebook, so he he knows a little backstory, and I'll give you the backstory in a second. But his question is this. Did you really not buy name brand anything? And he has in parentheses Pop-Tarts, because I shared something recently about my wife buying name brand Pop-Tarts for the first time in years. But he said, did you really not buy name brand anything until you paid your mortgage off? And if so, is this a policy that you endorse for others? So, Our friends know that one of the things that we've been working on for quite a few years was the goal of paying off our house. And, um, you know, we live very frugally. I've been driving the same car for 14 years. And basically any extra uh, income that we have earned over the past bunch of years, we have just dedicated toward paying off our house early. We wanted to live frugally try and be good stewards of any income the Lord gave to us, and uh, just pay off the house. And so we paid off the house. We, We succeeded at doing that last month. And I was joking on Facebook that as soon as we paid off the house, I noticed that that Andrea had purchased name-brand Pop-Tarts for the first time in years, because we typically just buy the generic of everything, trying to be frugal. And I thought, all right, is this what what lifestyle creep looks like, where we buy name-brand Pop-Tarts the second we paid off the house, Andrea – What is your answer to this question, and what is your defense?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the answer is yes. We were really uh, intent on paying off our house, and so I am a firm believer in shopping at Aldi, and Mm -hmm. we save a lot of money. And so if you shop at Aldi, there aren't usually name brand options even available to you. However, I figured out, and I didn't do like a long-term study on a spreadsheet, but I think we saved about – about 30% in general on our groceries from one week to the next compared to if I had purchased it elsewhere. And yes, I know other stores have sales and you can shop sales and you can do really well with that. Um, But I was looking at like, I want to go to one store, not several. I don't have time or energy or the desire to go all over the place. So Aldi in general saved us probably about 30%. And so all of those savings would go to... Uh, The ability to pay off the house sooner. Now, um, the whole Pop-Tart thing, in my defense, (laughs) I bought them at Walmart, and they were on sale, and they were as cheap as the generic ones because I bought a really big box, and they were for going on a little vacation, which I usually try to buy a few treats on anyway— so that's my so that's defense, defense of that one. Um, but we we were, I mean, and most of the things that we bought that were non-name brand, yes, I know some of them have a slightly different taste. I, <laughs> I, I find, but overall yes. it was
0: good. But overall, it's but you've good. done something dangerous. And you don't even it- <laughs> know what you've done. No, you've done something. So if you guys don't know, we we have four children. All right. So one is almost twenty-one. One's 19, one's 17, one's 15, but they all still live at home. Two are in college, two are in high school, but the college they go to is eight minutes away, so they don't pay to live in a dorm. But what she has done is she's given them a taste for name brand Pop-Tarts now. So now what are we going to do? Once the kids taste it, then they're going to want it.
1: They can buy their own (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Tarts.
0: All right. Um, So, all right. The second part of his question, though, is, is this a policy you endorse for others? I do,
1: actually. I think that we spend far more than we actually need to on most of the items that we buy. Just as a culture, you're saying? As a culture. And I think we need to stop buying into the idea of brand names and, you know, like only buying those unless you really have the money to do so. And a lot of us are functioning in ways that, you know, that's a way that we can save some money. And so I'm actually a firm believer in that. And, you know, um, you can adjust the way that you eat to fit what you can buy in that kind of context and not spend the amount of money that you would if you purchased it elsewhere. I
0: can think of some name brand things, though, that we do buy and have there are time. a few,
1: and I think that's perfectly fine for there to be a few. But at, in general, well, all all those years that we were trying to be really frugal, I shopped at Aldi almost exclusively, and um, and we just adjusted. And well, we used I hope we're still things. planning to be frugal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we used the things that were available to us at Aldi. Right. and it saved a lot of money.
0: Fair enough. Okay. All right. So Salente, uh, she asks us this. What's the hardest thing about being in ministry as a couple? And then she says, "What's the biggest blessing?" So it's the hardest thing about being in ministry as a couple. I don't I so my answer to that is I I don't feel like it's hard as a couple. I actually feel like it's a big relief because all the years that I've been in pastoral ministry, you've always been uh, just right there by my side, encouraging me, helping me, supporting me, doing all the things I do. So maybe the hardest thing would be the fact that in some ways you don't feel like your life is your own, right? So a lot of your time is spent meeting other people's needs, and you feel very locked into a location sometimes because you fear that if you're not close by and something happens, that that you're not there, so so you know how's that going to pan out? I think that's something that kind of plays in my mind. Uh, I don't I don't know what would you say is like what's the hardest thing for well, you?
1: I was going to say that I think one of the things you need to come to terms with, and by come to terms, I mean praying that God will and in, uh, either increase your tolerance for it or even give you an affinity for it, is just accepting the fact that you are in a place of influence, which means people are paying attention to what you are doing. And what you do is sometimes licensed for what they will choose to do. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to just come to terms with that. It doesn't do any good to fight it because like, it j- that's just a reality. But as far as the other thing I was going to say is there is some adjustment to figuring out balance, you know, so, you know, what, you know, when are times that we're going to talk about things in ministry and when are times that are supposed to be a little bit of like day off style mm-hmm. where, you know, like I might have something in mind that I want to talk about, but I'm trying, but it's your technical time off. And so it would be really easy for me to bring it up, but in doing that, I'm not kind of respecting the fact that you need a little bit of Breather mental downtime. totally, And, and so just sometimes figuring out that balance, um, but also we have been doing it and even before we were married we you know we worked in youth ministry and camping ministry together so we've True. kind of had a lot of we had a lot of practice of that in a little bit of softer or less uh life altering ways yeah. even before we were married and that really helped and actually i would say that if people are young and or or not married and you have the opportunity to work in a more temporary ministry context mm-hmm. like a youth group or a um, we could serve together, be on can a team. Serve together, mm-hmm. I think that's actually super helpful uh, because you kind of learn a little bit of that balance then, and in a way that before it's t- completely consuming.
0: All right, what's the biggest blessing?
1: I think being there for each other, like mm-hmm. we understand what life looks like and not everybody always gets that and, but we both do and so okay. you know, like to bounce ideas off or each other or, or even um, problems and things like that or frustrations I think the ability to understand uh, what that context looks like together is really very helpful and definitely a blessing. But there's I, also the blessing of the relationships we have with other people. Well, that
0: that's what I was, was going to be the answer I gave to that, mm-hmm. the idea that I feel like our family is much bigger than just our, right. you know, family, right? Just right. our household. There we, are
1: a lot of people, there are people there we that love.
0: Yeah, and you, you develop a, a close relationship with people that um, they, you, I mean, you think of them as family, definitely. right? You interact with them as much as, as family, sometimes even more, right? Than your extended family. All right. Uh, so great question, Salente. All right. So Scott asks us this. He says, if you could offer advice to yourselves as you were starting in ministry, based on what you know now, what would you say? He said, I hope this uh, could help young couples entering ministry today. I have two things on that. Uh, so I'll go first on this and then I'll I'll see what you think about this too. I think you'll agree with these two. One, make sure you carve out dedicated family time, right? So So, and what that means is, Pick a family night that you protect. So for us, that was Monday night with the kids. Pick a date night that you protect. So that's Friday night. And then for us, every three months, we we try to get away somewhere. And usually, we don't do anything extravagant. We're too busy paying off the house, right? So uh, all we do is we'll just, like, find a cabin somewhere that we could rent. Some And sometimes, like, the one we just used was free. <laughs> um, but we'll just find a place we could disappear. Our kids like the woods. They like mountains. They like water. Um, so, we'll just go someplace that's quiet and we do that every three months. And, uh, and we just try and disappear either for a week or a weekend. And, uh, we'll go up to the, the Christian camp that, um, that my wife worked at when, you know, when you were, uh, when you were a teenager. You know, we'll go up there in the summer. That's super helpful. And so these are things that we have found restful. So I would say, I would say carving out the family time. That's number one. And then the other thing is don't, Think that financial stewardship has no bearing on your ministry. So, it, you know, when we early in our ministry, we were way too comfortable with debt. And we felt like we needed to drive updated cars. And so we were, our cars were, you know, we had two car loans, but we still had student loans. We also had mortgage debt and we had credit card debt. And I and I just played the game that I thought, you know, as long as, uh, as long as we have a good credit score and we can make minimum payments on things, that somehow that won't impact our life and our ministry. And that is wrong because it limits your opportunities to say yes to certain things because you've effectively made yourself a debt slave. And it creates a lot of worry, it creates a lot of anxiety, and it robs you of opportunities to do things. And so we have noticed that we have a lot more clarity and can say yes to a lot more things because we are not saddled with debt anymore. But it took us years to get out of the debt that we had. And uh, once we finally got out of it, we were like, all right, it's almost like a whole new world. So those are two things right off the top of my head that I would I would think, you know, carve out time and and protect the time that you carve out and make sure you have a plan for financial stewardship so that you don't end up getting stuck and unable to do some of the things the Lord wants you to do in your service to him those are two that come to my mind right away what do you think
1: i wholeheartedly agree those are two i definitely agree with i would add one more and that's um from the very beginning work really hard at being a team mm-hmm. you know so like put in the effort to figure out what it means and what it looks like to be a team like the two of you um And kind of carve that out, figure that out as soon as you can. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things are tough and, you know, you want to be together and not against each other because it makes a huge difference.
0: I like it. You're a good teammate. Thanks. Um, All right. Amanda asks us a very important question. You ready for this? I am. Amanda says, if you could adopt two grown adults, would it be me and my husband, Nate?
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh,
0: we've known Amanda and Nate for a super long time. They want us to adopt them. And, you know, I, I feel comfortable with this decision. I do, too. You know, they are uh, they have children of their own at this point now, but uh, why not? And But then she also says, Or what advice can you give young parents with multiple young kids to survive this season of life without hating each other or bouncing before the runt is 18? So I don't know which of their three children <laughs> she's referring to as the runt. Uh, but anyway... Uh, so, parenting advice. What kind of parenting advice would we have for Amanda and Nate? Well,
1: I kind of think it's very, really similar to what so you just said in the answer. previous. Okay. I think carving out time, um, particularly as a couple, uh, you spend a lot of time with your kids when they're little, so make sure you also have some designated time to be just the two of you. And I know when, it, when they're really little, it can be very difficult, particularly if you don't live near family, to get out of the house on an official date. And I would just say that can't be your excuse. Like there were times when our kids were little where we had a date night in our family room where we yep. watched something together, ate a snack, laughed, talked, um, daydreamed, and 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 that counts. And as mm-hmm. soon as you can, or as frequently as frequently as you can, I think you also need to go out of the house. There's a perspective change that happens sometimes when you actually get out of the house and you can't hear people's feet running above you. People don't
0: do that anymore. People don't leave their houses anymore.
1: Um, So I do think that it's really important to figure out what it looks like to have specific time, the two of you, Uh, and then also, you know, the family time. And then I think, again, the team aspect, like you need to work on uh, in life and in marriage and in parenting being a team. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to disagree on the way something should be handled and you have to figure out how to get back to the point of being together a team in approaching whatever it is because first of all those runs will take you down (laughs) if you don't like they
0: will they will divide and conquer yes they
1: will no all joking aside but like it really does i mean those decisions sometimes can cause you and your spouse to not be together on something and that's not helpful in the in the big picture and you know at the when they are all out of the house you want to be able to look at your spouse and still have a relationship and and know that person and enjoy being with that person and that only happens if you do it in increments all along the way
0: i yeah i like that answer and uh as far as parenting some of the guiding philosophies that have been really strong in my mind are I want to make sure to point their hearts to Christ with how I'm trying to be a dad, right? So I'm trying to point them to Jesus in the way I'm structuring fatherhood. I want them to know that, so I believe that if you want to be respected, you always have to do what you say you're going to do. So if I tell my children I'm going to be somewhere, I'm there. If I tell them I'm going to follow through on a punishment of some kind, I'm going to follow through. If I tell them that something needs to be done, I'm going to follow through on checking up on it. So follow through and doing everything you say you're going to do. Uh, So that's a big thing as well. And then a third one that comes to my mind on that one is differentiating between defiance and irresponsibility. So when you're trying to discipline young children in particular, defiance is very different than irresponsibility. Children make irresponsible decisions just because they're immature, but then they also make defiant decisions because they don't like authority. So in our case, we disciplined very differently for defiance compared to irresponsibility. So those are a few parenting things that come to my mind right off the bat, um, just to complement some of the things that Andrea already said. All right, how about this one? This is There's a similarity here in some of these questions, too, so it's kind of interesting, but I'm just going to ask them all. I'm asking everyone that came to us since we put the question out. Um, Jasmine wants to know, how do you balance ministry, family, and alone time? So we answered the ministry and the family part, I think, decently well, but what about her third part, alone time? How does that work? And maybe you could even answer that, you know, let's answer that from um, just like literally you alone. All right. And I'll answer it from me alone.
1: So I look for pockets of time where I can disappear and have it be quiet, um, where I don't, where I can just kind of let my brain shut down a little bit, where I'm not answering questions or doing things for people. Um, answering questions and doing things for people is the majority of my day and so um so for instance, I work a job where I am you know the at the job from seven thirty to three thirty I come home sometimes somebody there 's a child who needs me to do something right away, but sometimes there isn 't and then there 's usually a little bit of a gap between that and dinner. And then after dinner, there's often something else that requires my attention and time and energy. And so that little window in between those things, I often try to – maybe I'll go upstairs to my room and just lay down. Sometimes I listen to a podcast. Sometimes I don't have anything on. um, And I just – like relax completely in the quiet and the still. And um, and that allows me to kind of re-energize and uh, be ready to be social and helpful and interact with people on that second half of the day. And so I just try to do that. I actually try to do that as many days of the week as I can. And
0: just trying to sneak that alone time when it fits.
1: And then I also, um, you know, obviously Sundays are busy days for us being in ministry, um, and as frequently as possible, I try not to let Saturdays be busy. I don't mm-hmm. really want things to be planned on Saturdays. I mean, obviously there are exceptions, and there are things that we look forward to that happen on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I often, I'm really okay with there not being something planned on the Saturday because it allows you, it allows me to have. Uh, A quieter day or to get something done that didn't fit into the week. And and so it it just allows me to not feel like I am going all the time. So I am looking for those uh, pockets of time that allow me to do that.
0: I think my favorite alone time is the fact that in the evenings, I'm usually the last one up and that's when i tend to feel the most productive and i don't i don't know why that is i don't know why i get that burst of energy but so much of the online ministry that we're even talking about or facilitating this through has been worked on during those hours and i find that i decompress when i have a project to work on so a website to build or something to record or edit and put out there, it's kind of like my favorite way to end the day, just with some alone time and, and quiet working on that. I, I feel like that's a, that's a time that, I don't know, it's like the Lord fills me up with energy to do some of those things, and uh, it helps me. So it's different from your pockets, from when your pockets, but I, I feel like our internal clocks are wired differently. So we compliment each other, right? It's a compliment, right? That's what I'll tell myself anyway. <laughs> it's a compliment. All right. Debbie she wants to know, how do you handle arguments with each other? And she says, it's hard to be gracious when you're angry. And she said, and then she also kind of has as an aside here, hey, part of me- part of ministry is marriage counseling, right? So she's saying, all right, kind of answer this from, uh, you know, like help marriages out here a little bit. And so, her. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of start this one off here, and then I'll then I'll tag you in on this one, all right? Unless that would br- uh, produce an argument. If that's going to produce an argument, I don't want to do that. By the way, if you ever want to hear us argue, um, you should hear some of the outtakes of us trying to record something together. You know, we tend to argue a little bit when that happens. <laughs> Actually, no, just one of us argues in that moment. But anyway, how do we handle arguments with each other? All right, so... Um, we are both kind of type a personalities in a sense, but I also feel like we have an easy going side. So I don't know how that blend fully works out because we kind of just do. And, uh, but at the same time, we also, I think at this point are able to kind of live and let live on a lot of things. And so, um, one of the things that we realized pretty early in marriage is that most marriage arguments are not over important things. Some of them are over important things, but most of them are over very dumb things. Uh, one of the things that that um, you know can produce arguments here is the fact that a lot of times when I wash my hands or wash my face i don 't think to dry the sink area around <laughs> around the sink, and I have discovered through the years through maybe some pointed conversations with my wife that she would prefer if I would just take my towel and just kind of dry off the sink uh, when I'm done. And so I think part of that, you know, you could prevent a lot of arguments just by just being – an others-centered person, by developing an others-centered mentality and saying, all right, yes, that is not an important thing. It doesn't matter whether there's water on the sink there or not. But because it's important to my wife, I need to make it important to me and become a bit more consistent about what – I wipe that off. Come on. All right, she's saying I don't. Um, I really do. But we have a complicated sink. It's got two wells to it. And so I do one, and she wants me to like – Practically put my towel in the sink and like, I'm not, I'm not going to, that's just too far. All right. But that's my thought. And maybe that wasn't the example I should have shared because apparently you're about to hear an argument that I might have to pause the recording over. But I think that at least for us is, you know, the kind of the live and let live, like let minor things go. Um and try and utilize the fruit of the spirit as we respond to one another, so that so that you know we're saying, all right, I want to make sure that there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control coming out of my mouth when we're having our discussions, when we're having um you know moments that could easily become heated, and just putting the other person's needs above ourselves uh, because that's possible to do more often than I think sometimes we realize it is. All right, your take. On that. What do you think? How do Uh, we prevent arguments? I was
1: going to say. Or how do we
0: handle arguments?
1: Well, I was going to say one of the things that's really important is learning to honor each other's preferences. And I think it's an act of love that you choose to do. And so um, I think it's really difficult in in a context where one person is doing it and the other person isn't. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of long suffering and, you know, continuing to do something, even if you don't feel like it's being reciprocated. Um, But it's still, at the end of the day, is doing your part in in doing what's right. Um, So honoring each other's preferences as often as possible and i think the other thing is really important is to learn and acknowledge what your conflict style is like so i know hmm. that when i'm upset about something and i have a low i have a slower processing time i usually need to think about it and then be able to formulate what i have to say because if i don't think about it and formulate and then speak I make the argument about something it isn't about and I will bring up anything just <laughs> as the thing to throw. And and so I just learned that, but I've learned it about myself and I acknowledge that that's the case. And so the, in doing so then, you know, we're talking about like are like working through the conflict, allowing people to have the space that they need to to make it productive. And the third thing is is I've also learned and this is actually the thing that I would say is the most key I've really learned to pray when we're in conflict and, and, and I, it's a simple prayer and I do it. It's the same every time. And it's just, Lord, please help us to come back to agreement on this either change my heart or his heart or both of our hearts. And I can't tell you how many times I have prayed that and then watched as God solved the problem instead of us. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's one that I would just say, I early on learned, First of all, I felt like my my slower processing meant I had no chance of winning an argument. And but in struggling, I didn't
0: feel like I. Well, anyway,
1: and wrestling (laughs) through that in my own head, um, you know, we all have our own perceptions of how things are going. So in my own head, I just started praying that and I very quickly realized that. It was an area that is extremely appropriate and very helpful to point back to God and just say, Lord, I feel like I can't fix whatever this is, which is probably really true. And 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 just like, God, will you fix it? And and that's really what it was. It was an offering of like, God, will you please fix this? Mm -hmm. And then just waiting and watching and to see what he would do. And so frequently he fixed it without me ever voicing one point of my argument you know (laughs) like and what a better way like so totally
0: absolutely great answer um all right sarah she asks us what motivates you both when you are exhausted from running the race what do you do for self-care so some of the self-care things uh that we do are uh, things related to time together, you know, so that's, that's something that's important to us. We, we try and really protect that and guard that, and I, I think it's very helpful. Um, I also think, I know for me, that sometimes self-care involves uh, either a project to work on or something to think about, That I I find useful. And so, you know, sometimes I like even just taking a walk and listening to a good podcast. And so self-care looks like that. But also for me, one of the things that's really important for me is to not wrap my identity around what I do. So I don't tend to burn out as much if I'm not wrapping my identity around what I do. So my value as a person does not come back to whether or not I'm the world's best pastor or the world's worst pastor, because I know in eternity, I'm not even going to be a pastor. I'm just a child of God, right? So it's a temporarily uh, assigned stewardship for a, a period of time. I shouldn't wrap my mind around it or my identity around it, and so... Uh, but sometimes you do get exhausted. Like like for me, I noticed that uh, particularly early in the months of, um, you know, like March of 2020 and the months right after that, my counseling load went through the roof. And we noticed that I had more, and everyone could understand that because there's a strange time in the world, strange time here in the United States. And I had more counseling. And who knows that but my wife and me, right? We're the only ones that really know that. I mean, the elders of our church uh, know of the counseling load, but they don't know the names. I don't tell people who I'm counseling, right? You keep that stuff confidential. So it's something, it's kind of a burden. Sometimes you feel like you're bearing alone. And I remember at one point, another friend said, well, how many hours a week are you trying to counsel right now? And we analyzed how many hours were going into that. And the one week that we analyzed, it was 29 hours. And that's not reasonable because it's not the only thing we're trying to do. It's not the only thing I'm trying to do as a pastor. And uh, I was starting to really get exhausted. And so I had to figure out ways to protect time on my schedule and, and not try to offer so much counseling. So I started to limit how much counseling I was doing because that was really starting to be too much uh, for me to do. And I started involving other people that are more than capable of offering good counsel. So that that's a recent example of something that was really tiring me out and uh, I needed to bring in reinforcements and also protect how much time I was devoting to it. So how about you? When you're exhausted, how does this work? What do you do? Or what motivates you, it says, when you're exhausted from running the race? What motivates you? I don't even know if I answered that question properly.
1: So I was trying to think through it while you were answering, like, what what motivates me? I think I've noticed that even in seasons of being exhausted, God has shown me things to be grateful for or or little bits where you can see that what you're doing makes a difference even if it's in just like a person's life not necessarily this big collection. And so, you know, a lot of what I do in ministry is related to the children. And so, so many times when I've felt exhausted and sort of like can somebody else do this now? You know, that's a real a real emotion, a real feeling and um, I've I've noticed that you know one of the kids will do something that just demonstrates to me that my role in their life has mattered, and that you know that that they like me and and stuff like that. And and like I really, today, well,
0: usually tell them what you so, told me earlier. Uh,
1: so today, there's a, a boy that has been going to our church, and he tends to be a little on the quiet side. Um, and and I noticed that um, after church one Sunday, he was straightening the Bibles in the back of the chairs. And that's something I do typically on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Also, I make them so that, you know, next time people are in the sanctuary, they aren't all, all over the place. They're all in a, you know, in the center and straight. And, um, I noticed that he was doing that and it's just a personality thing for him. He likes things orderly. And so a couple of weeks ago, when I saw that he was doing that, I thanked him and I was like, Hey, I do that too. And so I really appreciate that you're doing it because it really helps me because you've done some of them. Mm-hmm. And today I noticed that he was doing it again. So, of course, I went and talked to him about it. And, and then I was doing a few other things, and he walked up to me and hugged me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so he's probably around 10. So we're not talking about like a small child mm-hmm. um, who would be more apt to Hug, hung, hug somebody. Right. Um, it, it seemed a little out of character for him. And yet, and so it really meant a lot to me because I realized that the attention I had shown him in that matter, um, um, he it really meant something to him. And so I just noticed that, you know, when I feel really exhausted, that God has always provided something that just reminded me that it was worth doing. And then I also try to keep a bigger picture that at the end of it all, like, do I want to just have a list of ways I relaxed?
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs)
1: Right. Like I'm here on this earth to bring God glory. And if I'm only relaxing to bring God glory. I think gonna, I'm missing something. We're just going to
0: coast to the end. Right. If that, so if that's the idea. I, I look
1: at, and, you know, bringing God glory isn't only about doing no, things all not. the time. Right. Because that's not really... That's, he loves I wanna,
0: us just as much right. when we rest as and he I does when we work. I want
1: to make sure I'm being clear on that. I'm Absolutely. not proposing that you have to work to earn God's favor. But I, he did give us tasks to do. And, you know, I want to make sure that to I am... oversee. And, and I want to make sure that I am honoring that. And I just noticed that when I do feel exhausted that he... Very quickly provide something that is an encouragement to my heart and reminds me that what I do is, matters to him.
0: All right, all right. So, Deborah, this is going to be a fun question to to answer um, for me, and I'd be curious to hear your answer to this as well. But you'll probably laugh at my answer to this one. But she wants to know: Did you ever have an interest in another career?
1: Yes. Whenever I feel really stressed out by people sorry everybody (laughs) i daydream about working in a bakery with the bread in the back that's room. <laughs> like, so um, a, f- a friend of mine that I used to work with, and I would joke about this on days that were high, like too much drama people-wise. I'd be like, that's it. I'm going to work for the bakery. For the bakery? So like, yes. And actually, I, it's a joke, but it's not entirely a joke. You know Sometimes, that one of my
0: grandfathers worked in a bakery? I did know that, yes.
1: Okay. Sometimes I do think about doing something that is very quiet and the things you work with just do the things they're supposed to.
0: Nice. Okay. That's a good answer. All right. So what do you think my answer to this is going to be?
1: Yes. You're interested in (laughs) 75,000 things at any given moment. All
0: right. So did you ever have an interest in another career? I've had an interest in, just like you said, you know, 75,000 other careers. But here's the thing, not in place of serving the church, not in place of ministry, but alongside of ministry, so I had and a lot of those things I've had the opportunity to do. So, uh, you know, I I wanted to work in radio. So for an op oppor- uh, for a time, I had an opportunity to work as a radio announcer, and I loved it. I thought it was so cool, and I learned how to edit. And then that led to the podcasting. I learned how to do all that stuff while working at the radio station. So that was exciting.
1: I think if you're going to list all the things you've done, it <laughs> needs to be a separate episode. Yeah, just it.
0: Well, I'll list. Well, another one that I've I've honestly thought of. I, I thought about being. I'd be curious what you think about this one, uh, about being a financial advisor, particularly for those who serve in vocational ministry. And, And one of the reasons why I think about that is because I've noticed that a lot of my colleagues, Uh, are like they they that's something for whatever reason it feels like it's not safe for those in ministry to talk about that sort of thing because people are going to assume that you have poor motives anytime you talk about something financially related and then I noticed that some of my friends some guys that I really look up to in ministry really struggle in that area because they feel like it's not safe to talk to anybody about it and so they don't know how to plan for retirement they don't know um, you know some of those details even some of the basics and uh, I did a seminar a few years ago for a group of up and coming pastors, guys that were training in ministry, who were in their first like first 3 years of ministry. And I just walked them through the the basics of personal finance and some of the things that they could do to be a blessing to their household so that their family didn't resent certain aspects of them agreeing to serve in ministry because it doesn't tend to be uh in general something that's necessarily a high paying calling, right? So you have to be a little extra intentional about it, but trying to help the guys figure out what some of these details look like, how they could be a blessing to their family, maybe you know some ways that they could earn additional income that didn't take them away from ministry, but complemented the ministry they were doing, how they could save, how they could invest, how they could purchase their first home and maybe even work toward paying that off, how they could prepare for their their retirement years. Because I have seen so many people uh, in ministry who get to a spot where they actually feel like the Lord's given them permission to retire, but they don't feel like they that's even an option for them to do so, or to even transition to another form of ministry, because the financial piece is really a struggle. And so sometimes I have given a lot of thought to, you know, whether or not that's something the Lord wants me to try and help people with. And I think in the end, what I've kind of landed on is uh just just doing that as a friend you know what I mean not so so much doing that as a as uh some sort of extension of a career or anything like that but i i've I've thought a lot about um a lot about that and you know what another one that I've thought a lot about this will I, I hope somebody gets a kick out of this, but I actually had this idea when I was in high school, and it's never really left my mind. I wanted to own car washes. I wanted to own a car wash or maybe several car washes. Like, you know, I I I just I thought like the car wash business always fascinated me and uh and I thought, you know, it's a business you can own and and yes, you have to to maintain it and look after it, but you don't have to be there 24/7 and um and I I don't know. I've always enjoyed cleaning my car. And I I thought, you know, the combination of that and the entrepreneurial aspect of owning a car wash. So I actually, many people don't know this about me, but I actually um, in my, I think I was still in my early twenties. I don't even think I was in my mid twenties yet. I began the process of getting a car wash built. I started looking into it. I had the land picked out. I had uh, investors lined up, and I even had a company that was ready to build it, and I never had perfect peace about doing it. I didn't feel like the Lord was giving me the green light, so I paused those ideas and paused those ambitions before it became something that involved money out of of pocket or time or anything like that, and I, I think that was the right choice, but there's still a twinkle in my eye. For owning a car wash, I, so I I don't know. Do you think I ever will? I don't think I will, but I think about it every time I every time I pass one. I think, hey, we should own a car wash someday. I, I know we're not going to do it, but I admire those that do. So if anyone listens who owns a car wash, can I just tell you that there's a part of me that envies your career choice or your investment choice, whichever one you'd say. All right, uh, we have. Let me see here. We're coming to the end here. I guess this is the last uh, the last questioner, but he asks two questions so one is for me and one is for you so i'm going to i'm going to have you do yours first if you're okay with that i mean so keith asks this he says andrea how did you feel about marrying a pastor and what if any concerns did you have
1: so we dated in college we dated for over 3 years and uh when we first started dating he was studying to be a history teacher, a high school history teacher. So that's kind of what I bought into and then he switched it up on me. Um all joking aside, we were at the time working with a youth group, so we were involved in ministry. We had we worked at a camp, so like those it was not a a, a far leap to go from what he was doing to the new thing. Um and did I have any so I don't know, I didn't really it didn't surprise me. Um, and you know, when you presented it, you were kind of wondering if you, if I saw the same things you felt like God was teaching you or impressing upon you. Um, and I did. So I didn't really, you know, it didn't really phase me too much. Um, you know, you have some early concerns, you know, I didn't have a full picture of what that was going to look like. Um, I don't, I guess, unless you grow up in a house where you're Dad is a pastor. I don't know that you really can have a full picture of what that looks Mm -hmm. like. It's a kind of a different life than what most people lead. It's a step of faith. And so I don't know that I really had an understanding of it. Um, And I do think, you know, I can see how God crafted things that I did learn and experience along the way so that I would be prepared for certain aspects of that. Um, And and then other than that, like, it's just been kind of letting God – continue to teach me what it means along the way. And, you know, learning what my role in all of it is, because I do not consider myself the vice pastor or (laughs) Mrs. Pastor or anything like that. Like I, that's not my role at all. Um, I look at my role as, And two, there's two pieces to it. One, I am the pastor's wife. Therefore, I support my husband as the pastor. Um, But that's in ways that are far more behind the scenes than people would see. And the other thing is, is I am an active member of our church, which means by definition, I'm supposed to have some contributing role in my church. Mm -hmm. And so I have always looked for the things that suit what I think God has uh, asked me to do, and those are the things that I do. So I do the things that I do in our church, mostly because that's what God has asked me to do as a member of a local congregation. Mm -hmm. Once in a while, I wind up doing something because you're the pastor, (laughs) and I am married to the pastor. But most of the things I do, I do them because... Um, I think that everybody in a church should have a contributing role to the body of Christ in that context.
0: I like that philosophy. And by the way, everything I do, I feel like you make better. So I appreciate the fact that I have you as a tag team partner in the midst of this ministry because... Um, you have always supported me in this, so I feel like I should just go on record and publicly acknowledge that because I genuinely appreciate it. You've done that from day one. You've always always had my back. I really appreciate it. But Keith's question for me, and it's kind of similar to this, similar to what he asked you, he asked me, how did you decide the Lord was calling you to pastoral ministry and not another one? And that was a tricky thing for me. I moved a whole bunch of times when I was a kid, and we had a lot of challenges when I was a kid, and i um i kind of viewed the pastoral role as a, as an important role but one that wasn't for me i thought i'm going to be The pastor's right hand man. I'm going to be the guy that supports the pastor as best as I can, but I didn't want to be a pastor because I thought I would have to move around a lot. I thought there'd be a lot of strange disadvantages that come with everybody kind of knowing your business or having an opinion about many things that you do that, that most people, they wouldn't care what other people did, but because you're the pastor, they care about the fact that you do this or don't do this. And sometimes you deal with some unrealistic expectations. And I thought, nah, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's going to be for me. So I'll, I'll support the pastor, but, I don't think I'm going to ever be a pastor. And then more and more as my faith in, in Christ started to grow stronger, I started to have a desire to serve in areas that pastors tend to serve or lead in ways that pastors are called to lead. And more and more people were asking me to do those things, and and they were kind of recognizing that that was probably how I was shaped even before I wanted to admit that about myself. And so my, my pastor would ask me to read scripture before our congregation or to lead something for the church or to say something in, in front of the church. And I got more of a taste of that. And then when I went to college, I was asked to lead a youth ministry. And Andrea mentioned that a couple of times. And so I was asked to be the youth director at an area church near our college. And then the pastor started asking me to preach for him when he went away on vacation. And more and more people kept asking me, Why are you not going into pastoral ministry? It seems like everybody else feels like this is God's calling on your life. Are you sure you're not just running from this? And the truth is, I was running from it because I knew there were going to be some drawbacks to it. But I have to tell you, the positives far outweigh the drawbacks if it's the specific thing the Lord's called you to do. So he took a while to convince my heart, not a ridiculously long period of time, Um, he was was nudging me in that direction. It just took me a while to catch up and finally admit it. And I have to tell you, since I said yes to the Lord in that, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy. I don't think it's easy, but I do think it's the right fit. And I don't know if for the bulk of my ministry, if I'll serve as a pastor, I probably will. But if the Lord impresses upon my heart to do something else, I'm going to try and be obedient to him in that area too. But I could tell you right now, I feel like he's saying, John, I want you to serve as a pastor. And so that's what I do. I serve as a pastor. I, I shepherd our local church, and I, I really love our local church, and I really take a lot of joy in doing it. And I'd like to say that, you know, I, I believe, I think, that if the Lord ever asked me to do something else, I I think I would say yes to him doing that. I think that would be hard to to do something else. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm just going to try and be obedient to him. And the thing that I, I feel like he's asked me to do— is to serve our church. So I'm just going to serve our church and then if he tells me to do something different, then I'll be obedient to him and, and do something different. And um and that's kind of how it's been. And I it just it just feels like a fit for how he has shaped me and so I take a lot of joy in doing that. So those were some pretty good questions. What do you think? They were. More questions than I anticipated us getting. Right, yeah. So I'd be curious if anyone's even still listening. <laughs> me too. <laughs> After all of that. So If you have a question for us about life, it could be about even like Robert's question about Pop-Tarts and generic brands. I don't care. If you have a question about anything, you could ask us anything about life, about ministry. Send your questions about life and ministry to questions at desirejesus.com. So if you email questions at desirejesus.com, well, we will get your questions and we will answer them on a future life and ministry Update. So I think that's it for this week's update. You know, we had some, some outtakes, uh, at the beginning. Should I post some of those at the end here? Will Probably you forgive not. me if you do that? Probably not. I shouldn't post those. They're, they're kind of funny, though. Actually, I, I, I think really you care. don't care. I don't know. We'll see. I'll listen to them and then, and decide if I actually include them. If, uh, if I don't include them, pre- please forgive me. All right. But your prayers for us are greatly appreciated. If there's any way we could be praying for you, don't hesitate to let us know. But that's it for this week's update on life. And ministry, Andrea, you are a great co-host. Thank you so much for joining me for this. This was a new experience. Yes. All right. And uh, to those of you that made it to the end, we hope you have an awesome week. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. You're listening to Life and Ministry with John and Andrea.
1: You're, like, that's very loud. Like, I think I'm never going to match that. Okay. Just relax. You're also yelling in my face. All right, face. Stop.
0: You could back up if you're not talking. <clears throat> all right, I will do that again. Go All right, here we go. Let's try again. <laughs> I'm only
1: safe if I'm all the way back here. <clears throat>
0: oh, now I'm going to have hiccups. All right, here we go. <laughs> How am I supposed to do this now? <laughs> All right. Thanks. Now you got me giggling. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> no, I'm not ready yet. Why don't you just
1: start <laughs> over and do new background noise?
0: All right. Nope. We're good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.